Blog Talk Radio. Christians Unleashed here on True Life 
Presents, or True Radio Presents, True Life Fridays is our Friday broadcast. And I'm your host, the visible one himself, Thomas Dwayne Smith. You know how we roll. We're not politically correct. We're just correct politically, and we always come down on the right side of the issue. And as for our worldview, politics does not define my faith in Jesus Christ. My faith in Jesus Christ defines my politics. So there you have it. And let's get right to the headlines. At 6.30, we'll have Jack Cashel calling in this time. He will be calling in at 6.30, and we will go from there with our interview. But first, let's jump right into our headlines. Let's see. What do we got going on here? Oh wow. Here we go. I wanna jump I wanna jump right into very much controversy. Pro lifers have been saying that Planned Parenthood has been withholding the rapes of girls who have been brought to their clinics for abortion for many years. And this explosive report just might prove that point. Planned Parenthood counselor withheld info on rape, police report revealed. A Planned Parenthood counselor in Arizona intentionally miscoded a sexual assault as a consensual encounter to, to avoid the hassle of reporting it to authorities months before other victims came forth to stop an alleged 18-year-old serial sex predator, a police report revealed. Tyler Coast of Sand Valley, Arizona, has been charged with sexually assaulting 11 girls from the ages of 12 to 17 between October 2009 and April 2014, although authorities believe he has assaulted at least 18 students from Poston Butte High School. The mother of one 15-year-old victim who became pregnant as a result of the alleged assault told a Planned Parenthood Arizona staffer about the attack in December, a Pino County Sheriff's Office report showed. The counselor intentionally miscoded the assault as a consensual encounter, the report states. The counselor told them that they did not want the hassle of having to report the assault to law enforcement as they were a mandatory reporter. Multiple messages seeking comment from Planned Parenthood officials were not returned Tuesday. Lori Oxley, a spokesman for the Arizona Department of Health Services, told foxnews.com her office has not received any information from the Pingo County Sheriff's Office as of Monday pertaining to the possible violation of state law, which requires all incidents of suspected sexual assault to be reported to law enforcement officials. There are no complaints on file, Oxley told foxnews.com. Coast, who is scheduled to be arraigned on Friday, remains remains jailed without bail and faces more than 300 years in 
prison if convicted of all charges. Penal County Attorney Lando Voyles has said he plans to try Coast as an adult on all charges. Multiple calls seeking comment from his attorney were not returned. Penal County Sheriff Paul Babel told Fox, Fox News that Coast is an aggressive predator who carefully cultivated relationships with his victims to build a sense of trust before attacking them in his bedroom and parked cars or at isolated locations. This is a very devious individual to be this calculating and literally have no boundaries of conduct or behavior, Babu said. It's extremely concerning the size and scope of the investigation. We do expect other charges to be filed. We, li- we literally compare it to an iceberg. Babu said Coast knew each of his victims personally and clearly ignored repeated requests by his victims to stop. This is not just kids having sex, Babu said. It's very clearly a lot of these females repeatedly said no, 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 and physically resisted him as he removed their clothing. And it wouldn't just end there. He would threaten them, blackmail them, and threaten to ruin their reputation by making their lives a living hell. Babu said he was clearly troubled by the allegations pertaining to the Planned Parenthood counselor. If this is true, they should absolutely be held accountable, said Babu, adding that the allegation by the girl's mother has been forwarded to state officials. Any would likely be handled by the state attorney general's office, he said. Two of Coast's victims have moved out of Arizona following the assault. Babu said, including one girl who no longer eats since the attack, according to a police report. As a result of what Tyler did, she moved to Texas. She no longer eats. She has thoughts of suicide and self-harms herself by cutting her arms, the report reads. She hopes that Tyler spends the rest of his life behind bars so that he can no longer hurt anyone else like he did to her. The roughly 2,800 juvenile arrests for forcible rape in 2011 were the fewest such arrests in at least three decades, according to the National Center for Juvenile Justice. Director Melissa Sickmans characterized Coast as an outlier. The occurrence of it is low compared to other types of crime, and it is the lowest for juveniles that it's been since 1980. Foxnews.com. So just that alone makes it a rare event. And then you start adding the details of this particular case, and it becomes more rare still. The fact that Coates knew all of his victims, however, fits the typical narrative amongst juvenile sexual predators, making the victims particularly vulnerable, she said. The crimes that we are most afraid of are the horrible things done by strangers because that feels so unpredictable, Hickman said. But the fact of the matter is, a lot of the time, the offender and the victim know each other, especially for kids because a child's world is smaller. They aren't out and about among strangers as much as adults are. One victim who attended prom with Coast during their 10-month relationship 
characterized him as an intelligent, smooth talker with a very controlling demeanor. She was afraid of Tyler because he had an aggressive side and told her that if a girl were to strike him, he would strike her back, the report said. Read. She would then lie still and not resist him. Wow. Where do I even begin to start? Let's start with Planned Parenthood. Planned Parenthood counselors all across this nation Hasn't, they don't they don't report sexual assault more often than not when you see a man taking a little girl twelve year old girl in for abortion more often than not it's because that man raping and sexually abusing that girl. That's the dirty little secrets that they don't want to tell. In Planned Parenthood, for Planned Parenthood, it's all about that almighty dollar, the money that they get from from the abortion services, the money that they make off of selling the fetal body parts for science, um, experimentation, whatever. It's a big money-making racket for Planned Parenthood. unless it just happens to be one of their daughters that was the victim of this vicious assault. Then I wonder what their commentary or what their thought process would be. Would they attempt to sweep everything under the rug or would they pretend like it didn't happen, and just hope for everything to all go away. Who knows? Okay, talk about the perpetrator. Tyler Coates, the sick, twisted individual who apparently has such a low self-esteem. He thinks so low of the female population that he has to go out and pretend that he likes someone and then sexually assault and rape them. Quite frankly, as far as I'm concerned, individuals who do stuff like that You have two options. Repent and get help or don't and reap what you sow because you, sir, are one sick and twisted individual. But you know what? The liberal left love people like you because they're always clamoring for protective rights for sexual predators and recognizing pedophilia as a mental disorder and not the crime that it is. But this individual, what he did was sick and twisted. And what that counselor did by 
writing it off as consensual because she did not want to go through the hassle of paperwork. But I'll tell you what, this individual that probably did that is probably some smug, arrogant little twit that had it been her daughter, she would be beating down the door of justice, demanding demanding her rights. Where is justice for my daughter? Justice for her daughter. But she doesn't, the same justice for this young girl. And here's the thing. She was raped twice. The physical act and then the second physical act when she was having her insides ripped from her. Folks, I'm going to tell you something. And a lot of you pro-lifers might agree with me, but I'm going to tell you something. Women who get abortion are victims. They suffer things so horrible, the emotional scars. And the only way out for them is healing through the Lord Jesus Christ. But we have preachers and pastors who refuse to even address the issue. So women suffer in silence. Well, enough is enough. And to those of you who like to criticize and put down post-abortive women because, oh, they killed their baby, shut your trap. You don't know the story. You don't know the place that they were. And instead of criticizing and pointing your fingers, why don't you be who God told you to be and be a vessel of light? Reach out to that hurting and a wounded woman so that she could possibly find healing in Jesus Christ. Be the witness that Jesus told us to be instead of running our mouths and putting people down. Yes, it sickens me that abortion is used for birth control, but in our jacked-up adoption and foster care system, the state and federal government made it easy to get abortions because they jacked the system up. How do I know this, you might ask? I am a product of this said system. I know how it works. I know exactly how it works. So if what I'm saying might offend you, because I'm standing up for post-abortive women, I have my reason. Moving on to the next headline. Let me see. Here we go. Alabama team suspended out after opting out of standardized tests. An Alabama teen says she was suspended from school after she refused to take a local assessment test, contrary to an uh, earlier report from 
WAAY-TV that the test was aligned with the state's Common Core curriculum. Alyssa McKinney, an eighth-grade student, Whitesburg Middle School in Huntsville, Alabama, told the station she was given two in-school suspensions after telling school officials that she didn't want to take any more standardized tests and opted out believing that that believing she that was an option. WAAY had reported earlier Tuesday that McKinney was suspended for opting out of a test related to Alabama's Common Core program, which allows students that option. A Department of Education spokesman spokeswoman told the station parents can choose not to have their child take part in state standardized testing if they put their refusal in writing and give it to their school. So let me let me let me talk about Common Core for a minute. Common Core is a joke. Common Core is the miseducating of our students. Folks, let me let me tell you exactly what it is. For those of you who are students of history, you might be um wise to go study the Hitler youth. The Nazis in nineteen thirty nine and and thereabouts came up with their own state curriculum. See here's the thing. Common core the Common Core Education Standard was created by a private corporation in conjunction with the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, the Tides Foundation, all these secret organizations. The Tides Foundation, the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, these organizations are all about population control, reducing the population of the world to only those elite individuals who have money with only enough people left over to do their bidding. Well, I don't think so. And I said it once and I'll say it again. Individuals like you, you think that because you have billions of dollars, you think that that's going to keep you from the great white throne of judgment? You can deny the existence of God all you want. But the word of God is very clear. The Bible is very clear that every knee shall bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And guess what? It'll either be willingly or when it's too late. And I guarantee you, to those of you who think that this is just a joke, evil is the only force in this world. 
but there's a more powerful force. And to all you cowardly politicians who are afraid to stand up and to the GOP leadership, yeah, now I'm speaking directly to you. You tell me to shut up and get out of the way one more time that because I'm a Christian conservative that I don't have no place at the table. Well, to you like this. I'm going to shove my foot so far up your rear end, you're going to taste the soles of my shoes. Because if you even if you want to begin to make a dent in reaching out to minorities of all persuasions, you better stop being so apathetic and get real. And all you have to do is get back to the original platform of the party. Stop catering and caving to all these special interest groups grow up hair, sack up, man up, woman up, and stop running every time the liberals say boo. Because I couldn't care less. I'm a team player. I work with those individuals who want to work with me. And if they don't want to work with me, it is what it is. I will find those who do want to work with And as it is, I'll give you a little testimony. I have been blessed with a phenomenal, phenomenal fundraiser event coordinator for the Missouri chapter of the Frederick Douglass Foundation, and this woman of God is a godsend. And that's all I will say about that. Stay tuned, because in September, huh, you will hear all about it, because the event in September to shake the core of the GOP, especially when they hear me speak. <sighs> and that's my commentary. I am going to take a quick break, and uh, we'll be back with Jack Cashel. But first, I'm going to play my my friend Bill Lumen's clip, a phone call that he got from a liberal. And just to give you all this story, Bill Lumen was a gentleman who put a sticker on one of his company trucks that said he's not hiring until Obama is out of office. He got um, the Secret Service called on him, (laughs) among other things. So enjoy, and we'll be right back with Mr. Jack Cashel after this break. Hello, America. This is the other bill for America. I'm the guy with the sign on my truck. Now, I'm not hiring until Obama's gone. That is strictly a prediction because he is destroying our economy. But, as promised, I promised a few Patriot friends on Facebook that I would post a video that um, would 
bring the light. The last phone call I got last night at 11.16 p.m. my time here on the Eastern Seaboard of one of my new liberal friends from Wisconsin. He says his name is John. And I got to call my uh, uh, voicemail to be able to retrieve this message and allow you to hear it. It's impressive for somebody of sub-intellectual character. Yeah. Bear with me on this video thing. It's new to me. And I got to uh, fine-tune fine -tune it as best I can and get one. Here's that. Yeah, my name is John. I was uh, wondering if you guys were hiring yet. Entertaining, huh? The Muslim's still in office, I guess. Come you on. You fucking piece of shit. Pick up the pace, Turn John. Around. Soon I'll be standing right behind you. Ooh. Fear. See you fucking that. loser. You're, you're fucking part of the reason why this fucking country is the way it, the way it is. Yada, yada, yada. Well, John, I want to thank you for your contribution. And uh, I have posted on Facebook. If anybody wants to contact him and let him know that they are in support of him or maybe discuss his feelings for my terrible capitalist beliefs, please, please don't hesitate to do so. But uh, I will be posting this video shortly. And uh, God bless all patriots, Semper Fi Marines. Now, I'm a little busy, so i got to get to work. I'll talk to you later. You have a blessed day. And welcome back to the Visible Conservative Christians Unleashed here on True Radio Presents and Blog Talk Radio Network. I'm your host, the Visible One himself, Thomas Dwayne Smith. And that was, like I said, that was my friend, Bill Lumen. And that message that was sent to him is typical of the so-called tolerant left. <clears throat> oh, they're tolerant, all right. Let me, let me, let me tell you something. And I'm going to talk about this very subject with um, my friend Jack Cashel tonight. But first of all, let me let me give you kind of a background about this is a man who, over the years, he, you know, he has accomplished a lot of things, you know, through hard work and perseverance. But let me tell you something. One thing about him that stands out above all else is how he treats people. And it's genuine and it's real. And in our in the first part of our show, I asked Jack how it was that he cared for people across the board, black, white, just people across the board. And he shared, you know, about him growing up in North New Jersey, where he was like one of the he was a minority where he was from, and he developed. In him growing up where he did, he grew a perspective that allowed him to reach out and love and care about 
people across the board. And I also think that has something to do with this strong, well, I know it has something to do with this strong, devout Catholic faith. And, you know, I've always been one who I say, you know, I never get awestruck by people. But when I first saw him, when I first went to an event where he spoke at, I was like, hey, that's the guy that's speaking. And um, (laughs) there was a seat next to me, and I'm like, okay, I don't think he's going to come sit by me because, you know, I'm thinking I'm this little peon. He ain't going to come sit by me. There's more important people that he could go talk to. He came, plopped right back down, right down next to me, and the rest they say is history. This is a man that I respect and I admire and um, I appreciate his friendship. So, Visible Conservative Christians Unleashed listeners, please join me again in welcoming my friend Jack Cashel back to the show. Jack, welcome to the show. Hey, Thomas. Uh, thanks for having me on, and you're doing an excellent job here. Um, and uh, you make a perfect amount of sense, which is uh, hopefully uh, seeping into at least a few skulls out there, you know. Well, I hope so, but you never know. You never know. But <laughs> we, that's why we that's why we do what we do. But yeah, one, one brain thing, at a time. Yes, most definitely. And I want to once again, Jack, I wanna thank you for the connection that you that you made. And we talked me and Kathy talked again today and that's what my testimony was about. Just such a blessing and and I just want to thank you again for that for that divine appointment. So uh-huh. I know you I know you have a short amount of time, but I told you when we last talked that I want to I want to go in depth about something that you had shared, and that was about the individual, the black people who were at. Um, Waco, which you never heard about. Now, yeah, I know that. When, that's a shocking, right? Um, oh, go ahead. Shock, yeah, it's a shocking statistic because what happened, and those some members of your audience may not even remember because this happened 21 years ago, in April right. of 1993, when uh, after an involved sort of uh, siege, the Clinton Justice Department, led by Janet Reno. Uh, led a tank attack, I mean, it seems crazy, on a religious community in Waco, Texas, Mount Carmel Religious Community. The media called it a compound, and they pictured all of its members uh, to the outside world like its leader, David Koresh, as sort of like skinny, white, you know, redneck, gun-toting right-wingers. That was the the image that went out. And this was just before the Internet uh, caught on. So there was no social media to speak of. Uh, even the, you know the people like Rush Limbaugh and stuff, you know, relied at that time on the uh, message coming out of the major media. And since they were in a protect Bill Clinton mode, that image uh, prevailed. It wasn't until after the final assault on April 19th, when 74 people inside that compound were killed, ranging in age from six to 60, 20 of them children. Uh, that I had a chance to check the log of the people who were there. I had seen some videos from, you know, uh, 
hidden sources after the fact that let me think that there was a reason for them to conceal the identities of those who were there. But of the 74 who were killed that day, 39 were racial minorities. 27 of those 39 were black. Six were Asian, six were Hispanic. There's, you know, I don't think there's 10 black people in America who know what I just told you. I don't think there's 20 white people who know that. Um, the information was purposefully kept black America for fear that if black Americans knew that their Democratic benefactors thought nothing about killing them, uh, they would, uh, you know, that they might not vote, continue to vote for them and, and you know, in, in great pluralities. Now, that's not the only, uh, I, one I didn't tell you about, I think that is equally shocking, is what happened in California 15 years before that. And it involved a fellow who is a huge Democratic activist, actually he's a self-declared communist, but he could dependably get 2,000 votes out for any Democrat in San Francisco who was running for office. And so they all courted him, uh, you know, including uh, Jimmy Carter, Walter Mondale, you know, um, uh, Willie Brown, uh, you know, Jerry Brown, the whole, the, not only up and down the California Democratic ranks, but the national ranks. Rosalind Carter came to pay heed to him. In 1977, I believe, he was named Humanitarian of the Year uh, by the Los Angeles Times. That's like uh, Donald Sterling getting the uh, Lifetime Achievement Award from the NAACP. This fellow wow. was a self-declared communist. The media never reported it, and yet he's white. As a result of his work, and this is a shocking, shocking thing that I'm going to tell you. Uh, as a result of his work, uh, sometime late in 1979, 200, the bodies of 250 young black people, children, were dumped into a mass grave in the Evergreen Cemetery in Oakland, California, and they remain there to this day, unsung and unmourned. These were the children killed by uh, the, Reverend, the Reverend Jim Jones of Jonestown. Um, three-year-olds don't commit suicide. You know, Kool-Aid jokes aren't funny if your three-year-old was one of those murdered in, in Jonestown. The, um, right. And, and the fact of the matter is, they, the reason they suppressed this story, I mean, this story got a ton of attention. I won't say it was suppressed. It was just distorted. It was misreported. Uh, they tried to pass it off as like some, oh, crazy religious guy. In fact, when David Koresh emerged, they tried to pass him off as another Jim Jones who committed suicide, mass suicide. That didn't happen in Waco. In fact, the difference between Koresh, who was, you know, a you know, conservative Christian, and James Jones, Jim Jones, who was a flat-out communist, self-declared communist, who used the church as a subterfuge to spread communism. And the members of his church used to, you know, most of whom were black. And who oh, were, wow. You know, uh, the great majority of whom were black, except for the leadership, which were white, as often happens in these kinds of uh, democratic, liberal <laughs> environments. Although Jim Jones, I mean, the, 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 actually the the, uh, the black population of the church was somewhat better off since Jim Jones was raping only only his white uh, counterparts, both men and women, routinely. He had very uh, you know extensive power over them, and. Um, they were, uh, you know, and then he, he, at one step ahead of the law, he took them all down to Guyana, you know, built this ramshackle Maoist community, you know, where there were pictures of Mao all over the place and Che Guevara, and, you know, they could be openly communistic down there. 
you know, and their prayers were, free at last, free at last. Thanks, socialism almighty, I'm free at last. And none of this stuff was reported. None of this knowledge that he was an open communist was ever reported in the American media. And then when the, the, the murders took place, it was all, oh, isn't this funny? Look at these crazy people committing suicide. And since the face of the movement was white, most Americans thought that you know, the people involved in the church were white, but at least three-quarters, 80 90% of them were black, and virtually all of the children were black. And, and they ended up, since their parents were dead, for the most part, uh, and they had a hard time, you know, after their, they retrieved their bodies, after they'd been laying out in the jungle, hot air, bloated for weeks, you know, even identifying them was difficult, so they just dumped them in this mass grave. And it's still, they're still there. No one knows about this. I, you know, I've been to the cemetery. I mean, it's, it's a, you know, it should be, you know, if you're teaching Black History Month, it's something you should want to talk about, you know. But just like you should want to talk about Waco. But we don't. Wow. Yak, I got to tell you this. It's funny you shared that with me because, and this, this had to be God, because like about three or four days ago, I started watching old YouTube videos of Jim Jones. And one of the things that clearly stuck out to me was that and when the cameras, when the film panned over the audience, the audience, they were mostly black. And I was like, huh, that's interesting. But when you made, when you saw the movie, the movie that was made about Jim Jones, they portrayed most of the people as white. They, that's what, just like they did at Waco. And, and his lieutenants were, were, were all white. I mean, he had no trusted black lieutenants, which speaks to, right. I mean, it's such a perfect mirror of the way Democrats treat African Americans. You know, we give ourselves all the leadership positions. You know, we, uh, you know, create all these situations in which you ruin your lives. For instance, well, you know, what's the, what's the leading cause of death in, in black America in the last 40 years? You know this answer, Thomas. Abortion. It's abortion. Yeah. More than 14 million black babies have been killed. You know, we hear a lot about violent crime, but it's, it's your, you know, more than 50 times as many babies, black babies have been killed in a womb as killed in the streets. Um, you know, more than 60 times have been killed in a womb than died of AIDS. Uh, but the information that is fed to black America, and this is the 50th anniversary, by the way, of the war on poverty, is extraordinarily selective. And the uh, black leadership and the Democratic leadership make sure it stays that way. So my question is to you, and it's going to be a challenge. If you can help me, I will, um, well, you're probably more of the writer than I am, but I say let's let's get the information out there. Let's blow the lid off of this story, Jack. And I'm serious because you're right. I did not know about 250 young black babies or kids in a mass grave sitting in a cemetery in Oakland, California. And right. that and, does you know, need to be. Although I'm, I'm a writer, you're in a much better position, and I'd, I'd love to help you with this, to spread the word because, you know, you, you are, you know, you're, you will not seem like someone who's trying to uh, spread right. this information because you're white and want to get in revenge or something. Um, it, you know, you have a certain inside track here. 
you will find, and this is a curious thing, is that even even black and white conservatives think that sometimes that blacks get an advantage and you know from various affirmative action policies and this that, and the other thing. No, black liberals get an advantage. <laughs> black exactly. conservatives. Uh, black conservatives face more uh, resistance than um, than even white conservatives. Uh, Condoleezza Rice, look at just this year, right. just in the last right. month, two very prominent, accomplished black women were rejected by universities from getting honorary degrees or speaking at their commencements. One was Condoleezza Rice, you know, who's simply a moderate Republican, and the other one is uh, one of my heroines, uh, Ayan Hershey Ali, the uh, Somalian uh, you right. know, activist, who's a brilliant lady and uh, incredibly brave. And well, I've read, I read her uh, biography called Infidel, and anyone should read this. So she's a campaigner for female rights in the Muslim world. But she walked the walk. I mean, she, you know, uh, she was an elected office holder in the Netherlands, and she spent most of the time in hiding because she had active death threats and attempts on her life. Her partner uh, in the in the film venture, Theo Van Gogh, who is a direct descendant of um, of uh, Van Gogh the painter, uh, was murdered. He had his head nearly severed on the streets of Amsterdam. You know they, they, wow. these guys play hardball, and you know so she she does that. She comes to the United States. Uh, you know she becomes a best-selling author, speaker, champion of uh, female rights. You know, and yet she gets rejected by Brandeis University. Because right. uh, she says intemperate things. And then look at what's happened this week in uh, Nigeria with, I mean, this last few weeks and with Boko Haram, this group. Okay, they're shouting, shouting Allah Akbar, you know, Islam, blah, blah, blah. And finally, the media, like, take up the cause, but they won't even mention that they're Muslims, you know. Uh, so right. it's, it's, it is, um, uh, you know, race is one of those things that the media use they exploit when it's in their best interests. And if it's not in their right. best interest, 27 blacks could die at Waco, 250 black kids could be buried in a mass grave in Oakland, and you're not even going to know about it, you know? But if Donald right. Sterling says something stupid, um, he's still in the headlines, you know? Right. I mean, it's not funny, but it's just, it's so outrageous that it is almost, you know, uh, there's almost no response you can make but to laugh, you know? Right. Yes, I'm serious. I'm serious. Then I'll take the lead. I will take the lead on this project. What this? Oh, I really can't say what I want to say about this. But I'm gonna tell you this much. In knowing this, because if the liberals know this, you know the NAACP knows about this. You know the Congressional Black Caucus knows about this. But because they're they're having their fancy wheels greased by Democrats, they're not saying anything. Just like the Congressional Black Caucus, when they had the meeting back on May 10th of 2012 with the Congressional, uh, uh, what was it, the the Pro-Choice Caucus, and they met in secret to discuss the fact that pro-lifers were making inroads in the black community to reduce abortion, and they had to stop that. The reason yeah, why right. I know this is because one, one of my friends, Dr. Dave Gardner, snuck into that meeting 
They didn't know that she was there, and she wrote about it afterwards. And she she later said, because we interviewed her, she, she said, you know, the Congressional Black Caucus, they knew the statistics and they didn't care. And the only thing they were talking, and they said, you know, when they bring up a, the abortion statistics, this, I kid you not, what I'm about to say is going to stun you, Jack. They said what we, what we have to do, we have to find the issues like the Trayvon Martin, because Trayvon Martin's case was going on then, and we have to play up things like the Trayvon Martin issue. And when right. I read that, and when she said that as well, my mouth hit the ground. So having said all that, if you can help me get the information, you know, I will write about this. And this isn't something that I think needs to be like 600 pages. This is something that I think we could do, you know, do it right and get it done and get it out there. Because quite frankly, I'm sick and tired of the left getting away with doing what they have done to black people and nothing is being said. And I can also add my own little twist on how I write with the edge to it because enough is enough. And that's, you know, no, you, let's say you Right. Friend. You speak with an edge. What I'll do, uh, Thomas, in the next day or two, I'll, I'll funnel you all the information you need because uh, I've written on this extensively. And um, and then you could, you know, just put it in your own words. And I'll, if you need a little help editing it at the end of the day, we'll do that, and I'll help you find the place to put it, you know. I appreciate that, my friend. And God bless you. And see, Jack, this is what I'm talking about. This is what I'm talking about. You have... You have went after things. Um, you went after issues that other white conservatives won't touch because they look at it like, well, I can't say nothing because I'm not, I'm not, I'm not black. Well, the way you and tell me if I'm right in this perspective, you don't look at it as a black issue or a white issue. You're looking at that's a human rights issue. What they did. Is a human right? Am I am I accurate in my yeah, no, assessment? Right, that's exactly right. I mean, if it's if you know, if we're all Americans, uh, it seems like I should be able to speak about any American, you know, who, you know, exactly. and uh, and what what um, you know, what liberals uh, don't want their constituents to know is that conservatives have a vested interest in wanting to see blacks succeed. To make money, right. to enter the middle class, to prosper, you know, uh, and to um, because what happens then? I mean, just 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 sheer self interest is that when that happens, they become Republicans, you know, and exactly. whereas Democrats uh, need to see people fail because as long as they stay dependent on the government uh, and uh, you know single, uh, you know, without a father in the household, that's the single greatest determinant of a Democratic vote is a single parent household. They have a vested interest, you know, everything else aside, all altruism aside in both cases, in seeing uh, people fail, white and black, to see them remain dependent on the government, to see them remain poor, to see them remain malleable and exploitable. Uh, and, you know, uh, and, they, and they, they actively pursue that. I mean, they have policies that, you know, 50 years into the great society, you'd have to be a fool to say that, Poor people are better off than they were 50 years ago. And anything but, you know, having bigger TVs or better telephones. You know, I mean, 
they're mature socially, spiritually, far worse off than they were 50 years ago. You know, because now we're into multiple generations of the same kind of government dependency, which not only, you know, creates a, it, it kills the soul and it creates a, you know, an incredible environment for, for crime. And you might say, well, the crime rate is no higher than it was in 1975, but there's seven times more people in prison than there were then. Otherwise, the crime rate would be ridiculous right now. And, you know, the right. great, not the great majority, but the majority of those in prison are black. And they're in prison right. because they belong there, unfortunately. You know, it's not because they were arrested because they, you know, were political prisoners. No, they were typically arrested for doing stupid stuff that gets people put in prison. Um, right. So, and, but, and again, you know, who, whose purpose does that serve? Other than, like, the Al Sharpens the world so they can make believe that the prison is due to, you know, unjust uh, sentencing and this, that, and the other thing. Right. And you know you hit this you hit the nail on the head, and I know you gotta go here in a little bit, but in speaking to that you know to that prison population situation, you know the media plays up you know the innocent people who are in prison, and they make it seem like that's that's the vast majority of what's going on. Could you right, kind of like the- address that? Go ahead. Like I was, yeah, just to, to that point, it was like the guy whose uh, execution last week was um, botched, you know, and it took him an hour to die, right? Right. With, so the media went on and on about this. He was a black guy in Oklahoma. What they didn't say was that how he killed, why he was in prison in the first place. And right. That he, he shot and buried a woman alive and, and you know, and then did, uh, was, you know, turned on his own partners. It was just a, he was chaotic, unrepentant, you know, violent, evil dude, you know. Now, you know, okay, it's, you, know, it, you know, they obviously should do a little better job of executing people if they can execute them, but don't ask for our right. sympathy, you know, right? Not at this stage of the game, but that's the way liberals think. And they, you know, what they wanted to do, they want to keep in front of black America the notion that they are unfairly punished, unfairly imprisoned, even unfairly executed. And they keep throwing out bogus statistics, like blacks are more likely to be executed for committing murder. No, they're less likely. Among murderers, whites have a higher, much higher percentage of, of being executed, you know, for a variety right. of reasons. Uh, a lot of them having to do with where the trial takes place and who's on the jury and that sort of stuff. White, I think white juries are more likely to give out the death penalty. I mean, that's part of the, the differential. But uh, nonetheless, it's a fact is that, that right. per murder, you know, uh, whites are much more likely to be executed. Uh, it's not a kind of statistic that, you know, that, that makes much of a difference in the long run, but it's the kind of statistic, the lie about which uh, the uh, liberal Democrats will, will throw out there just to keep the, their, their base riled and upset and, and felt feeling like victims, you know. But the real victimhood yeah. comes from, unfortunately, come from their brethren, you know, who are killing other black people at the rate of like 10,000 a year, which is crazy, you know, and unnecessary. It does no one any good. And, and even just as problematic are the five or 10, you know, 10,000 people are murdered black on black crime each year. Another 10,000 are shot and injured or raped or harmed. Another 100,000 rather. 
and their right. cost to the communities is huge in health care, imprisonment, you know, all that kind of stuff. Police work, uh, suspicion, you know, by the uh, non-black population. But they don't right. want to hear about it, they don't want to talk about it, you know that. So that's the way they, they roll. And, and to this point, they've gotten away with it until you step up here, Thomas, and change the day. Well, yeah, exactly. And you know what? You, I know that you're going to play a part in helping me do that because enough is enough. And but see, here's here's the here's the little secret that I know that's going to help wake up wake up um, Black America. And I'm gonna t- I'm just going to tell them our population is extinct. Period. We are no yeah. longer relevant. Our generations are so many generations removed because of the de-education, and I call it de-education, or re-education of our community by liberals that now we have we have our kids appearing on Facebook and YouTube fighting, speaking incoherently like they have a bag of marbles in their mouth, and it's like, okay, and then especially with the abortion issue by itself. 1970, the black population was 20% of um, the American population projected to be 50% of the population by 2012, which means there would have been 150 million black people. But instead, abortion came into being. Now, think about this, Jack, and I know that you are a very intelligent man so you will understand what I'm about to say. It takes very, a very major catastrophic event to drop a population of a people group from 20% to 12.6% today. And no, you're right. And, the- and on, on a final note, and i got to run right now, Thomas, but okay. if 50 years ago, uh, the Ku Klux Klan set out to create a program that would keep blacks not only dependent on the government and poor, uh, but imprisoned and, uh, and just like you say, demographically irrelevant. Uh, they could not have done better than what the Democrats have done. And, right. you know, a lot of Democrats did it innocently, but uh, some of them did not. And the ones who were making the decisions, I would cast among the did not. I think they knew what right. they wanted. And I think their goal was to keep the population dependent because the more dependent they were, the more likely they were to continue to vote for the people who seemed at least to give them the benefits they needed to stay alive. So with that, i got to run. Thomas, keep up the good work, and I'll send you some in- information on Waco and on uh, Jonestown, okay? All right. Thank you, Jack. And once again, you, you knocked it out of the park, my friend. You have a good evening. Yeah, take care, Thomas. Bye-bye. All right, bye-bye, bye-bye. That was my friend, Jack Cashel. He, um, if you want to find out more about who he is, go to jackcashel.com. You know, it gives an extensive bio of who he is, links to all his books. If you want to get some of his books that he's written, you know, he is a phenomenal, phenomenal guy, and he cares about, you know, you know, he cares about what's going on. So I am going to take a short break. 
and I'll be back, and I'll give you my thoughts thing that we just heard.
excuse me. Welcome back to Visible Conservative Christians Unleashed here on True Radio Presents and Blog Talk Radio Network. I'm your host, the visible one himself, Thomas Dwayne Smith. That was my friend, Jack Cashel, award-winning author. He's a filmmaker. <laughs> Let's just say he's done it all. And um, investigative reporter. He writes a column, weekly column for World Net Daily. You can find his articles up at World Net Daily. Now, I don't even know where to start. I got to call in some reinforcement. I know my friend uh, Scott Osborne is there with Contending for Truth Radio. So, Scott, if you want to give me a call and we can address... um, you know, what we just heard in the last, you know, last 30 minutes with Jack. Um, to our guests that just came in, you just missed the interview, but, you know, you can go back and catch it in archives. Man, that just, it just floored me. How do you, where do you even start? How do you even How do you even I don't even know what to say to that. The bodies of the 250 black children that were left in the jungle They went to Guyana's town, Jonestown, Guyana, found the bodies, buried the bodies in a mass grave in Oakland, California, unmarked, never have been mourned. But yet, these are the people that we vote for. Black people vote for the individuals who did stuff like that. And let's refresh what Jack had to say. Jim Jones, his cult, three-quarters of the 900 people, most of them were black, 150 young children buried in a mass grave in Oakland, California, unmarked. You know, I think I'm starting to understand God's purpose for me. Enough is enough. Enough is enough. What profits a man if he gains the whole world, but yet he loses his life? 
a man if he gains the whole world but loses his life? Absolutely, positively nothing. And let me let me say this about my friend Jack Cashin. To those of you who always want to say the white man don't care about black people, blah, 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 blah. I can tell you for a fact, if it wasn't for this man writing about this, writing about the 250 black babies, black bodies of children, I did not know this. The movie they made about the Jonestown Massacre, it portrayed all the people as white. It wasn't a mere coincidence that I just happened to be looking at the old video footage of from Jonestown. My mom had a friend who was killed. So the question you must ask yourself, first of all, where did he get all the money to get those people down to those jungles? And I'm going to revisit, I'm going to revisit Waco as well. I'm going to revisit Waco. Because what it sounds like to me, it was not what it was portrayed to be. David Koresh was not a cult leader. From what I'm learning and from what I am understanding, Wow. That's all I can say about that is wow. I don't even know what to say. But these are the people that you have in charge of you. Black people wake up. In 1979, Jimmy Carter was a president. Jim Jones was a communist who slaughtered an entire generation of children. I don't know what to think, people. But I know my purpose. 
and I'm going to fulfill it. If anyone wants to call in, call in number is 760-542-3907. Once again, 760-542-3907. I don't even know what to think, folks. I really don't. I'm stunned by this. I'm sickened to my stomach, if you want to know the truth. Sick to my stomach. But yet, people vote Democrat, Democrat, Democrat. Time after time after time. Why is that perception that they're doing so much? Well, the myth of that perception is going to be shattered. Don't look like we're going to get any more callers, so I am going to play a couple of songs, and I'm a, I'm a call it, call it a night. I'm a um, <clears throat> play a couple of worship songs because here on Visible Conservative Christians Unleashed, we're not afraid to blend our faith in politics. First song that I'm gonna play is uh, play uh, Still I Rise, Yolanda Adams. But here I stand 
loves you more than you'll ever know. Instead of walking away, open up. have been listening to the Visible Conservative Christians Unleashed here on True Radio Presents on the Blog Talk Radio Network. I want to thank everyone for tuning in. And tomorrow, I'll be back with Reality in Christ, Worshiping Word, and, you know, more worship, giving the message of the gospel. Thank you, Minion. Have a good night.